Welcome to uh, Monsters U. Uh, we're in our uh, final session, and we're going to face the monster of procrastination. So, you know, today's class, it's uh, applied calculus. Uh, and if you don't know, applied calculus is the mathematical study of change. And so when you're writing an equation, there is a symbol that they sometimes use. It's actually a, a Greek delta symbol. And it looks like a triangle. And it means, when you see that triangle, change in. So the equation that I would like to deal with today is change in X equals change in me. Change in X equals change in me. And what I want us to figure out is what X is. And um, when you're trying to figure out what, what X is, sometimes I think it's helpful to figure out and rule out what it's not. I think it helps you, helps you figure it out. And uh, this X, it might be the single word that is the most dangerous word in our English language. It's found in Exodus 8. And a little background, the Israelites, they have been living in slavery. They've been slaves for centuries. They want to be free. Pharaoh does not want to let his free labor go. And so God gives Moses a very powerful bargaining chip, a thing called the plagues. They were things like gnats and flies and locusts and boils and the water flowing with blood. And uh, I think one of the most memorable ones is found in Exodus 8. And you have frogs that are coming out of the river Nile. They're covering the land. It gets Pharaoh's attention. He asks Moses to get rid of the frogs. Scripture says this, Moses said to Pharaoh, I leave to you the honor of setting the time for me to pray for you and your officials and your people that you and your house may be rid of the frogs except for the ones that remain in the, the Nile. I love Pharaoh's answer. Tomorrow. There's the deadly word. Tomorrow. I mean, when I read this story... I want to ask Pharaoh, what are, you, what are you thinking here? You know, you, you've got frogs everywhere. Frogs are in the house. They're in the palace. They're in the living room. They're in the bedrooms. They're in the kitchen. They're trying to fix food. There are frogs getting in the food. You're backing up your chariot running over frogs. And Moses comes along and he says, I'll get rid of all the frogs. And Pharaoh goes, hmm, yeah, tomorrow. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, the only thing I can figure is either like frog legs really well. Maybe he enjoyed listening to the kids screech and cry out. Maybe he didn't want to sleep alone anymore. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking, what could possibly motivate a man to say, hey, let's wait till tomorrow. Pharaoh settles for another night with these frogs. And when you look at Pharaoh's behavior, it really isn't that strange. It's not that, that unusual. P- 
people do this all the time in their life. I mean, you'll see somebody battling a a health issue. They know what they are doing is hurting them. In fact, sometimes killing them. And they just keep doing what they're doing. Tomorrow. And they settle for another night with frogs in their life. You know, intelligent people will take and sacrifice their reputation, their, their health, their fortune, you know, to continue in an illicit affair. You know, even when they know that they're going to get found out, even after they have lost everything in their life, another night with frogs. I'll never forget, uh, years ago I was talking to a woman and she was really trying to live her life and to, to please God with her life. And she was dating this guy. And this guy was verbally and emotionally just abusive, off the chart. And she asked me, she said, should I stay in the relationship? And I remember saying to her, run, run, don't. But she continued, married the guy. I mean, another night with frogs and friends that didn't play well. This kind of behavior, very, very puzzling. The Greeks, they uh, had a word for this. Uh, Acrasia was the word. It, uh, the Greeks, you know, they're really big into reasoning. And so people like Socrates and Plato, they, they couldn't figure out why someone, if they determined that A was the best course of action for their life, they, they were just couldn't figure out why in the world would you do anything but A? I mean, why would you continue down a path that made no sense, the, the, these irrational acts? Why would you choose not only to hurt yourself, but to hurt the people around you? It, it made no sense. And so they said, Acrasia. They believed that somehow the gods kind of clouded their minds and led them to do crazy things. But friends, it was another night with frogs. You know, a spouse holds a grudge, withholds love, nurses resentment. And even though they know that it's destroying their heart, it's making them miserable, another night with frogs. You know, a sexual addict keeps going to the internet. Even though they know it's destroying their marriage, even though they know that they're destroying their self-respect, they're being eaten up with guilt, but they just keep doing it another night with frogs. Moses, he says to Pharaoh, you don't have to live with frogs anymore. Just say the word and they'll be gone. Pharaoh thinks about it. Hmm. I have to give up my free labor. Maybe I'll wait. Maybe the frogs will just go away. See, Pharaoh learned that he could deal with and he could tolerate a frog saturated life. Frogs are everywhere. It's unpleasant. But Pharaoh apparently preferred frogs 
to the change it would have required in his life, to the repentance that might have been involved in this. Pharaoh says, tomorrow, I'll wait. I can handle one more night. And friends, tomorrow is a very, very dangerous word. Procrastination. It is a monster. It defeats lots of people. And I want you to hear this because procrastination is not the same thing as physically being lazy. Procrastination is different than that. In fact, you can be hyperactive in your life. You can be a a blitz of just activities and be a procrastinator in your life. See, procrastination is the failure to do what is needed to be done when it needs to be done. You know, procrastination is the failure to do the right thing at the right time. And I want to kind of level the playing field here today because I know some of you are sitting there going, well, I'm not a procrastinator. But we're going to do a mass confession, all right? How many of you have ever maybe as a student, put off studying for a test. Writing a paper, doing a project. All right, how many people pulled an all-nighter before? All right. How many of you have delayed answering a letter, paying a bill, returning a phone call, balancing your checkbook? I mean, how many of you have ever... uh, watched the really long lines at the post office on tax day and thought, wow, they're organized. (laughs) How many of you have put off going on a diet, seeing a doctor, put off a home repair, changing the oil in your car, preparing a will? How many of you have spent night with frogs? Come on, every hand, where we go? All right. How many of you need more time to think about it? (laughs) It is amazing to me how much damage this one trait, it's a monster. I mean, how much damage it can do in a person's life. See, for the most part, our problem is not that we do not know what to do. Our problem is we just don't get around to it. Tomorrow, tomorrow. And it comes with this high cost. I mean, procrastination causes people to mismanage their finances. It derails careers. It damages relationships. It causes conflict. And usually the conflict never gets resolved. Procrastination results in commitments not being honored. It can cost you friendships. It can damage your effectiveness as a parent. It can destroy your marriage. It is a monster. And if you don't deal with this monster, it teams up with other monsters in your life and it'll it'll chew you up. It will cause a lot of damage. You will end up living with this constant anxiety In your life, you know, I'm not going to beat the clock, you know, I'm not going to meet the deadline. It's going to catch up with me and your stress increases and your guilt builds. Why? Because you know you're not doing what you should be doing. 
and it erodes your life. It eats away at your self-esteem. And here's the worst part, I think. It keeps you from reaching your full God-given potential in life. Not because you said no to God, but because you said tomorrow. And here's my question for you. There's something for you to think about as we're talking. Where in your life are you saying tomorrow? Where in your life is it that God wants you to say today? You know, Hebrews 3.13 uh, says, But encourage each other every day while you still have something called today. Help each other so that none of you will be fooled by sin and become too hard to change. When God says today, and you don't respond today, you get a little bit harder inside. And when that happens, it becomes a little bit harder to change, and I think it's really easy to get comfortable with frogs. And what I want to do is look at a few areas where this procrastination monster creates a lot of havoc in people's lives. Places where I, I think we are very tempted to put up with, mon- with these monsters and with these frogs in our life. And I want you to do a little bit of math this morning in each of the areas as we talk about them. And, and just see how are things adding up in your life. You know, maybe as we're going through something, a particular area... Maybe you're going to sense the Holy Spirit just saying, you're good on this. You're doing what you need to be doing. Everything's cool. And if so, good. But maybe, just maybe, as you're talking about another area, you sense the Holy Spirit saying, you know what? This needs some attention. This requires some action on your part. You've got to get moving. And if that's the case, what I want to encourage you to do is to not say tomorrow, but instead say today. Today's the day. Now, the first area involves a habit, a negative uh, behavioral pattern, perhaps, where maybe something God is calling you to change in your life, either let go of or get doing in your life. There's a story told about Saul when he was king. He was the first king of Israel. Scripture says that he stood head and shoulders above all the men of Israel. He had a heart for God. He was a great king. At least initially, he was a great king. Now, Saul had been king for a while when a young man by the name of David fought a great battle, incredible battle. And he defeated a giant named Goliath. And so David and the Israeli army are coming back home from this great victory. They come home to a hero's parade. The story is in 1 Samuel 18. You, could, you ought to read it this week, maybe part of your devotion. But people are, are singing victory songs in the street. And one of the lines and one of the songs is, you know, Saul has slayed his thousands, but David has slayed tens of thousands. And Scripture says that when Saul heard that, From that point on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Saul was king. Saul was God's appointed. 
Saul, he saw David's giftedness. And he's confronted by a monster. Monster of jealousy and envy. I mean, Saul could have befriended David. He could have trained David. He could have been his mentor, but, but he wasn't. You know, from that time on, he kept a jealous eye on David. Envy got started, and he never, ever dealt with it. And if you know the story, it's a very tragic, very sad story. And I'm sitting there going, did, did envy add anything to Saul's life? I mean, did it make him more effective as a king? Did it help him in any way at all? No, no, no. Envy destroyed him. It, it, it makes no rational sense. It damaged his heart. It consumed him with anger to the point that he was driven to attempted murder. It destroyed his relationship with his son. It cost him the affection and the love of the entire country. And in the end, it cost him his crown, his throne, his sanity... And it cost him his life. And I think, why didn't Saul do something about the envy? Here's what I think, okay? My opinion. My opinion based on reading the stories and studying scripture on this one. I do not think that Saul deliberately chose to live a life of envy. In other words, I don't think he said to himself... I am going to become really bitter and I am going to develop a jealous heart. I think he learned that he could live with it. There wasn't much joy in it, but he preferred living with it than the change it would have required, the repentance it might have required. So when those little promptings came his way from the Holy Spirit, you know, when the prophet Samuel rebuked him for his, the way he was acting, when David refused to retaliate and showed Saul grace and mercy, you know, when the Holy Spirit was trying to appeal to Saul's conscience, Saul knew better every single time. He knew He knew that it needed to change. But I think he said, tomorrow. I am not repentant today. I am not going to fall on my knees today. I would rather nurse my anger and my bitterness and my resentment than be freed from it. It'd be embarrassing anyway. But not today, I'm not dealing with it. And friends, that procrastination monster over time, it took everything from him. Everything. You know, I wonder, is there something that has a hold of your heart? Is there something that you know? I mean, as we're, we're talking, you know it's a pattern. 
You know it's an attitude. You know it's an, a habit that you have. You know that it is leading you away from God. There's no joy in it. It's not making you a better person. It's not growing you as a person. You're not growing in love and patience and peace and some of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. No, it's destroying you. You know it is. It's chipping away your soul. And each and every day, what happens is you get a little colder and a little harder inside. And it becomes a little harder to change. Fact is, the Holy Spirit been trying to convict you on that front for a while. And you sense it. And you go, not today. Maybe tomorrow. I mean, maybe it's a pattern of deception. And the fact is, you've been doing it so long, you're pretty comfortable with it. Gotten used to it. You know, maybe it's an addictive behavior. You know, drugs, alcohol, sex, Maybe a judgmental spirit just keeps getting bigger and bolder, more destructive. Maybe it's a bitter heart. Maybe it's a spirit of discontentment. And the fact is, it's gotten so big now, it's just choking all the gratitude out of you. Maybe it's a tolerance for sin. Friends, I challenge you to hear God's voice. You know, don't harden your heart. Don't say... Tomorrow, tomorrow. I challenge you to step up and say, today. No more pretending that this is going away. No more pretending that it'll, it'll just go away on its own. You know, just confess to God and say, I will start today. Today's the day. And then start praying for change. Start reading, studying scriptures that'll help you change in that area. Talk to a trusted, trusted Christian friend. You know, see a counselor if you need to. You know, anything in in your character, habit, behavior, attitude that you need to change, that you know God's calling you to. Draw a line in the sand and say, today is the day. Here's another area, procrastination at work. Now, I was thinking about this when I was working on my message about 30 minutes ago, and um, you know that's not true. (laughs) Paul writes this, he says, in all the work you are doing, work to the best you can. Work as if you were doing it for the Lord, not for people. Friends, I get how work works, I get it. I get the fact that most of us would love to be in a work situation. And that when we roll through the door to start work, we are flowing with ideas. And we got energy and we're motivated and we're just peaking in our life. We can't wait to get to it. And sometimes that happens. I mean, my, my experience, and I love my job. I love it. But every day isn't like that. I am not ready to just go tear the world apart and do what I do. In fact, there are a lot of times in my life it just requires plain old discipline. You know, I have to say to myself, I am going to study. 
I am going to pray. I am going to think. I'm going to write. I'm going to give my best. And then God will fill in the rest. And here's what I've learned. In the area of work, see, procrastination is the refusal to do my part with God as my partner. In other words, God wants to be a partner with you at your job, whatever you do. You know, whatever, whenever, when, wherever you do it, it doesn't matter. The tendency in our culture, and it is destroying our culture, but the tendency in our culture is that after a while, especially if nobody's watching, especially if things aren't going our way, is to settle for giving less than your best. I mean, maybe it's a cynical attitude that kind of goes unchecked in your life. Maybe it's a spirit of complaint about your boss or the company or a project or a coworker, and friends, it will infect everybody around you. Maybe... Maybe you're in the wrong job. You, you know it does not fit the way that God designed you and created you. You know, maybe, maybe you decided that you were going to chase money instead of your passion. And I, I want you to hear this, especially young people, listen up. If you are working a job that does not fit your God-given gifts, if you are staying in that job, it is a stewardship issue. And it will lead to sin in your life. You go, well, I don't think so. It will lead to sin. Because you know what happens? At some point... If you work a job that runs counter to your giftedness, at some point, you just start punching the clock, so to speak. No passion, no engagement. You're just going through the motions. And here's the sin part. When you are not performing to the best of your ability, that is sin. And friends, I have watched people that have worked decades at a job they hate. And they've known about it every day, every year. And it just builds up. And they know it's not matching their giftedness, but they just keep doing it. Never look around for a better opportunity. And they just spend another day with frogs. In fact, some, some will spend their entire life living with frogs vocationally. Friends, God says, I want you to work diligently. I want you to work like you're working for me. God says, well, actually, you do work for me. When you do what you do, you're working for God. I mean, maybe, maybe there's a pattern in your work life that you need to address. Something you've been putting up with for a long time. 
something that needs to change so that you are working at your best. You need to change it today, today. Let's talk finances. You know, scripture is very, very clear. There, there are so many scriptures on how we're to take care of stuff. You know, we are to be proactive in our financial lives. You know, the scripture says on the first day of the week, each one should set aside a sum of money and keep it with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collection will have to be made. There, there are scripture after scripture that talks about taking initiative in our financial lives, getting our financial lives in order. You know, if you're a Christian, we're, we're to be wise about how we manage our finances, you know, where our money goes, what, what we're spending it on. And we're to be faithful and consistent in our giving, if you're a Christian. Those are two, two areas. And they, they hinge on one another. When we procrastinate, when we go down that road, what happens is you end up operating in crisis mode a lot. And it becomes a monster in and of itself. You end up in a position where everything's about me and, and trying to get through, trying to survive, trying to cover up and, and stuff. You know, Proverbs says, if you close your ears to the cry of the poor, you will cry out and not be heard. See, I think it's really easy to mismanage the finances that God gives us. To do it in such a way that we no longer even hear the cries of the poor. We don't give, not because we don't care, because we've just messed ourselves up. You know, I do not believe anybody one day woke up and they go, you know what, hey, I think I'll be greedy. No, what happens is finances get out of whack, And in our minds, we're thinking, you know, I need to get these in order. I need to get a handle on these tomorrow. Think about a couple I knew years years ago. Faithful to the church. Didn't miss a Sunday. Served. They they were active. They were great parents. They had a strong marriage. They They were pretty solid. But there was one area. One area that they learned that they could live with frogs, and that was financially. You know, the fact is they engaged in spending that was not God-honoring. It wasn't healthy in their life. They didn't plan, and so there were many times I'd have conversations with them, and they, they were in crisis. In fact, they even made light of the problem. They kept ignoring the issue. Never did anything about it. And it became a monster. Collectors came, took their home, took their cars, their kids. They were angry. They realized their college fund, that there wasn't anything in it. And friends, it put so much pressure on their marriage, it almost blew it apart. Now, Here's what I think. I do not think that they deliberately didn't deal with the stuff. I don't think they were trying to be deceptive. It became a monster because they kept thinking 
We'll honor God in our finances tomorrow. We'll deal with our finances tomorrow. And I think, what if just one of them would have said, today is the day. Today is the day that we are going to start trying to honor God with how we're handling our stuff. Today's the day we get our financial house. We begin the process of getting it in order. See, tomorrow, lethal. And most people, when they're looking to the future, they know what's coming. I mean, they knew they couldn't afford some things. They knew that their kids were getting close to college age and that they would need some help with their college. They knew that God had given them everything and had blessed them immensely. They knew that things were out of kilter, that it was out of control financially. They knew all that. And they never took steps towards serious stewardship in their life. Procrastination will devour you. It will devour you. It will eat you up. You know, some of you, you just need to go home, put a budget together. Some of you need to start the process of downsizing in your life. Some of you need to go home and cut your credit cards up. Some of you need to set goals for giving in your life, start moving toward the tithe. Some of you need to see a financial counselor. You're not sure who to see, come talk to me. I'll help help get you connected. Some of you just need to do it today. It's not going away. It's not going away, friends. Another area, don't say tomorrow to joy in your life. Scripture says, this is the day the Lord has made let us what? Rejoice and be glad in it. It doesn't say tomorrow is the day. We'll rejoice then. Today's the day. Today. Today's the day. Today's the day. With all of its imperfections, its troubles, with all of its sorrow, with all of its problems, today is the day. You are not to put off joy until tomorrow. You know why? Because you may not have tomorrow. I have seen people put off joy in their life. I've seen a lot of guys do this especially. Work really hard. In other words, procrastination on the work front, financial front, not a problem. But they procrastinate in a lot of other areas. Like they don't have enough time for their kids, their spouse, don't have time for God. And the whole time, I know what's in the brain. You know, when I retire, I'll make up for it. Then I'll do what really matters. Then I'll have time for joy. In fact, I know a guy, that was his M.O. I mean, he had this grand plan And man, did he hit it. I mean, he was always about it. And he did not procrastinate at work. But he kept saying, when I retire, it was one month from retiring, and he dropped dead of a heart attack. You have today 
you may not have tomorrow. You have people that need you today. They need your love today. They need to hear the words from you today. You need to be creating memories today, not tomorrow. You know, people put off that, that joy for a couple, couple main reasons. One, I think people defer the joy and they think they're going to do it in the future. You know, I'll rejoice when this happens or that happens. You know, I'll rejoice when I get that job. You know, when I get out of school, when I have X amount of money, then, then I'll start rejoicing. When I get that house, when I get that car, when we have that child, and, and we keep putting it off. And then I think people defer joy because of the past. If this would have happened, if that would have happened, if I had just been able to attend that school, if I'd have gotten that job, if that relationship had worked out. And so we keep putting off joy because of what's happened in our past. That one's really bleak because the past will always be the past. And I just want to say, grieve it, get over it. This life today is a gift from God. Rejoice in it. And I also would challenge you to not put off the joy of knowing God. See, I know a lot of people. And it goes something like this. You know, someday, someday I'm going to get really close to God. See, they know what's important. Someday, I'm going to start reading my Bible and I'm going to really study. Someday, I'll serve. Someday, I'm going to start praying regularly. Someday, I'll develop my spiritual gifts And friends, I've watched people go through their entire life. Someday, never comes. And they die. I do not think, if I could talk to those individuals, I don't think they intended for their life to end up that way. In other words, I don't think that at a point in their life they go, you know what? I think I'll defy God. I think I'll make my relationship with God real superficial. I think I will run and get involved in so much stuff that I don't have time for God. No, I think it just happened. Because they never said, today's a day. Today's a day. I start working on my relationship with God. Today's the day. This is not an accident. God made me. Today's the day. I know that God made me, and he made me for a purpose, and he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for me. Today, I am giving my life to Jesus Christ. And today, I'm going to start trying to work on it. And friends, if you don't hear anything else I said this morning, hear this. Do not procrastinate on this one. Do not put off making Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life. Do not do it. Don't do it. 
Paul writes, he says, for God says, at just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Today. You may not have tomorrow. And if you procrastinate on this, you will regret it every day in eternity. Every day, forever. You will think, why didn't I do that? What was I thinking? Most important decision you will ever make. It's an eternal one. I challenge you today. I'd be glad to talk to you after, pray with you. Just say, you know what, God? Today's the day I want you as my Savior. I believe Christ died for me. I mean, it's not hard. But do not fool yourself. Eh, tomorrow. I want to challenge you. You know, whatever area it is. We all have monsters. We all have them. We've talked about a bunch of them. You put procrastination with those monsters, they'll destroy you. There's only one way you change. You start today. Whatever it is. Change in X. What's X? It's today. If you make a change in today... It equals a change in me. And I would challenge you. Make today the day. Maybe there's an area God's been speaking to your heart. Today. Not tomorrow. Today. Make the change. Let's stand and uh, have a word of prayer together. Our holy God. You've created fearfully, wonderfully. You've given us minds. We can think. You've given us the ability to to do things. And God, I pray that uh, whatever monster, whatever it is that's tripping us up, that's holding us back, that's keeping us down, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would give us the strength to resist. Resist that idea that, well, tomorrow I'll deal with it. God, I pray today's the day that your Holy Spirit just ignite us. Wouldn't be able to do anything but say, today, I'm going to deal with this. Today, I'm going to address this. Today, I'm going to take action. It may take me a while, but today it begins. God, I pray that, uh, I know there are some here, they just need to make today a day of salvation in their life. That you'd give them the boldness and the courage to not walk out of here without doing it. That you'd just, Press them, push them, pick them up, and carry them down.
and say, today's the day. I'm going to get this right. God, I know you can hear those hearts. Give them courage. God, we celebrate today because today is the day that you've made. Today begins to change. And we give you the glory and the praise and the honor this day and every day. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. And God's people said, Amen.